0: And on this Tuesday, February 4th, 2020, live from Auburn, Alabama, you're listening to another edition of The End Zone. I'm Javon Cutler alongside Will Cruz and we've got plenty to talk about today. So we've got some Super Bowl news to talk about as well as the latest in the NBA trade deadline as that is approaching Thursday. But also we got to talk about some Auburn basketball as well as they are facing Arkansas tonight at 6 p.m. Central Time. But we'll get all to that get all to that in just a moment but first let's start off with of course the Super Bowl big matchup between the 49ers and Chiefs down in Miami Super Bowl 54 it was a great game I'd say I mean Chiefs ended up winning 31 to 20 big win for Kansas City as they won their first Super Bowl in 50 years Patrick Mahomes won the MVP of the Super Bowl and Andy Reid who came into the game with over 200 wins yet no Super Bowl win he got a Super Bowl win for the first time so he. Could bet that he was happy and excited about that. But Will, I just start off by asking you, what were your thoughts about the Super Bowl in general?
1: Uh, my thoughts is that uh, Andy Reid's gonna eat a lot of cheeseburgers <laughs> coming up in the few weeks, and he's gonna have a good vacation. I'm assuming I, I, that's the thing I take away from it the most. I'm glad to see him finally get a win. Um, I think it was he's been in the league like 26 years mm-hmm. as a head coach and hasn't gotten a win, so that was just awesome to see, but the game was entertaining in itself, and um, I kinda, at the beginning of the game, was a believer in the 49ers, and I thought that this team-style football and game managing by Jimmy Garoppolo and a great defense would be enough uh, for them to slow down Pat Mahomes, and it looked that way for like three and a half quarters, but eventually, I mean, it just took a couple big plays from Mahomes, and um, the big throw to Tyreek Hill I think was a huge turning point in this game and uh Damian Williams a guy I don't want to let slip away cuz he he honestly could have had just as much claim to the MVP as Patrick Mahomes he played an outstanding game but with all that said it was fun um but I still think the best part overall uh was the halftime
0: performance by Shakira and Jlo I mean I could yeah it was really fun to watch that it was better than I thought it would be. I mean, people were kind of skeptical as far as would they do a great job, but I think they did a great job picking the host overall as far as the Super Bowl halftime show because it brings out Miami. You think of Miami, you think of, of course, the large Hispanic population and they kind of catered to that with the Shakira and J-Lo performance, and they did a great job. And I think it was something to behold, I'd say. but
1: Yeah, yeah I see the memes of uh, talking about pit bulls probably just sitting at home <laughs> with tears running down his face like, Wondering why he didn't even get like a little invite, but uh, I like the whole Latin vibe. And um, I mean, there was people, I've heard a lot of people saying that it's one of the best halftime performances ever. And I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, a rival, rivaling
0: prince or something, which is a big thing to say. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of great Super Bowl performances. And I guess fortunate for this one, there wasn't a power outage like it was during the Beyonce <laughs> performance because I remember that was really weird. Hey, I liked Beyonce. It was a good one. Yeah. I
1: liked it. A lot of people don't really.
0: Have good thoughts about it, but nah. But it's, I don't like. I mean, it's Beyonce. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's hard not to. I mean, but I guess going back to the game, uh, my thoughts were that it was a great game. Honestly, I knew Kansas City. I felt like they were going to come back because 10 points and above is their sweet mm-hmm. spot. San Francisco, I thought, got a little bit conservative toward the end of the game. I mean, they were up what 10 points with six ish minutes left to go. They could have. I felt like been more. I guess run dominant, which is what got them there. I mean, they ran the ball over 70% of their plays heading into the Super Bowl in the playoffs, so they kind of abandoned the run. Mostert didn't get the ball that much. Tevin Coleman got it early in the first quarter and second quarter, but didn't get it much. And I don't even think Matt Breida even touched the ball for the 49ers. So it was, I think, more of Kyle Shanahan not learning his lesson because we all know he was part of that infamous – Twenty three 3 blown lead that the Falcons had against the Patriots. He was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons. So I think that played a key part as well, that he seems to be still stubborn in his ways. And Jimmy G and Matt Ryan, I mean, they're not comparable quarterbacks in my opinion. And Jimmy G played decent, I'd say, that first half. He was pretty efficient. It was not bad. But, but it wasn't enough, I feel like, to put a fear into the Chiefs players. And even, I think Tyron Matthews said, like, once they figured out that they were, or that they were abandoning the run, they got all happy because they know Jimmy G has to beat him. And Jimmy G's kind of been a game manager this year. He's had ups and downs, but he hasn't had a spectacular like 400-yard passing game this year, four touchdowns or anything along those lines of Patrick Mahomes. So I think that was a key part is that one team had Patrick Mahomes, the other team did it, and one team got conservative while the Kansas City Chiefs put their foot on the gas pedal and never let it off.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jimmy G still had a chance to win the game there at the end. He had that throw to Emmanuel Sanders uh, w- late in the fourth quarter, and he, he just missed him by a few yards. Um, but, yeah, I like what you are saying about the coaching scheme and uh, Shanahan. I'd be interested. I wish I knew a little bit more about how much really maybe Kansas City adjusted uh, a lot, but it did seem like they were abandoning the run, and especially those outside runs that I, I thought they were working a lot in, in the first half. I mean, um, it really was just. I mean, even in the second half, San Francisco, when Mahomes threw that pick Mm -hmm. um, right to Warner, I mean, it was a bad throw. The Mm kind of life went out of the building for some Chiefs fans. And I remember the 49ers defense when celebrated in the end zone. And, like, you know, everybody was like, at this moment, you messed up. You got too cocky. Um, And you gave Mahomes too much time. And he's – I mean, Mahomes is incredible. And like you said, they've had all these comeback wins in the playoffs. They've had comeback wins – during the season, and if I'm not wrong, which I definitely could be, I don't think they've lost since, like, his first game back when he when he had the ankle injury. Mm-hmm. He came back a little early, um, and they lost a close game to somebody, I believe. But then after that, they just yeah. been on a roll. So you leave them too much time, you pass heavy in the second half, which, like you said, Shanahan just either forgets how to coach in the second half of the Super Bowl or maybe the Kansas C- City Chiefs defense, you know, made good adjustments to switch up the game. But – it was close, entertaining. I mean, definitely better than last year's Super Bowl. That's all oh, I can yeah. say.
0: Yeah, I was. Um, yeah. But um, what commercial do you remember the most? There were a few that stood out to me. I mean, it wasn't really the best lineup of commercials. Oh, it was good. It was I mean, I was was solid. I mean the Brian Cranston one where he kind of did that, like, yeah, Nicholson he, impression. He looked just like him. That was pretty good. Um, the Rick and Morty one was pretty decent. <laughs> though. Pringles, yeah, it was yeah, Pringles. Yeah, that so one was funny. That was pretty On good. On brand. Um, what else? I know there was one with uh, Anthony Anderson. It was like him and his mom. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what that one was about. Yeah, it was like, I forgot, but it was like kind of funny. But I don't know, the commercials, they feel like they're going... Or decreasing each year as far yeah. as like the quality in terms of like humor. Yeah. It seems like the kind of increasing the seriousness, like that Google commercial. Mm. I was like, Loretta Super serious. I was like, I've wow. seen Loretta way yeah. too many <laughs> times.
1: It just makes me sad. Yeah, it's
0: just like eh, um well, it wasn't too bad.
1: Yeah. yeah, I remember that this one Amazon one when they were asking it was Ellen. Mm-hmm. They started it. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah asked yeah. what they did before uh Alexa mm-hmm. and went back all the way like to, you know, flying doves and stuff. I thought that <laughs> one was pretty impressive and then the very first one the nfl 100 like the one oh, they had yeah, last yeah. year that was the best commercial of the night That it was, was at the very really beginning and the kid gets to run on, run on how do you get to be that kid <laughs>
0: like, know, where do you apply yeah i know right it's you probably know? like some long adi- audition and he was the like center focus and of he that had commercial. moves too like did, they probably yeah.
1: had said you got to already have college offers you know yeah you know.
0: <laughs> i mean it would be surprised if he actually did play no football. i saw
1: he oh he does? already has a college offer oh, from, like really?
0: illinois what and he's like how old he is 10 or 12 wow yeah but then again well, i mean it's a d1 offer so i'm not gonna knock it <laughs> yeah i mean good, it's yeah. impressive good for that guy man that is really got good, some exposure though. wow i wish man i wish i could do that but i wasn't that athletically gifted so no way uh <laughs> no way
1: uh, All <laughs> all right well let's let's move on from super bowl it was entertaining let's go to a little bit of draft and free agency talk maybe um i just Been hearing a lot of things lately. We'll we'll go free agency since it's kind of short. Maybe we'll come to the draft after the break. Uh, Tom Brady. Uh, You know, the rumor is he might be getting out of Dodge. and uh, Who could really blame him with the way that that offense looked? It doesn't look like they're helping him very much, but also to me it doesn't make sense. Uh, There's a lot of names out there. I've heard like the Raiders, the Chargers. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's some other wild cards. What do you think about that? Do you think there's – any chance? Oh, I heard the 49ers uh, with maybe a little
0: swap. I don't know. Do you think there's any chance Tom Brady leaves? I honestly don't see it. I mean, I know everybody was making the big kind of ruckus as far as like that commercial that he put out because they were thinking, oh, no, this might be a, a commercial saying like he's going to retire, he's yeah. going to switch teams. But no, it's just a Hulu commercial. So. He was trolling. He was trolling him. But as far as do I think he'll leave, I don't think he's going to because I heard New England's going to Try to pay in excess of $30 million for him, which would be ridiculous considering his age. But then again, got to look at what he's done. And of course, the six Super Bowl rings and whatnot. But I just don't see him leaving. And I've also heard the Raiders are trying to get him, like you yeah. said. But I don't see that happening either. I just feel like that would be a move that they're doing just because they're moving into a brand new city. They're trying to attract a bunch they're of fans. They're trying to fill those seats. Yeah. And I know they already have a lot of fans because uh-huh. of their name, but like. I'm sure not everybody wants to go from Oakland to Las yeah, Vegas I'm sure they're every Sunday, yeah. Some fans. Especially if they're losing, yeah. So I think Brady would just be a name for them to put on the marquee outside the stadium. And 49ers would be interesting because I did hear that that if they cut Jimmy G, that it only hits like I think one million against their cap or something like yeah. that. So it wouldn't be a huge casualty as far as that. And it'd be interesting because of course he's from the Bay Area, so that'd be kind of a nice yeah. homecoming. And they have the pieces to win a Super Ooh, Bowl, as we've seen. Don't they? So that would be an intriguing move for them, but honestly, I think he's still going to stay in New England and continue to play at least one more year of figure. And the Patriots are going to upgrade in the draft or free agency by getting some offensive receivers or tight ends or running back. They're kind of set, I feel like, with Michelle, but they just got to get something to help him, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Patriots do any of those moves. Uh, they definitely – I think they – I wouldn't be surprised to see them go back. I've heard Danny Amendola rumors, go back to some of their trusted wide receivers, and maybe Nikhil Harry gets a little bit better. But, yeah, like you said, I really can't see them moving, but of the, ne- the teams that we've mentioned, the Raiders make the least sense to me. Like you said, I think that's a really good point. He, they're just trying to fill the seats um, to get the fans in Vegas excited. But – um the Chargers are an interesting move because they kind of do have a win now roster. Two years ago, they were in the playoffs. They just extended their coach. Um, you got Hunter Henry, you got Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Eckler. Who, who cares what they do with Melvin Gordon because Eckler's that good. Uh, and the defense is miles better than the Raiders with, you know, Bosa and Derwin James at least just to anchor that defense. But then the 49ers is interesting, man. You could see. Uh, Kittle being the new Gronk, like I could see that so quickly, and Debo Samuel, and I mean they got three, four running backs, you know. Um, so I'd be, I'd be stunned, but if if he goes anywhere, I want to see San Francisco do it. But it just doesn't make sense to either team for me. Are you really betting on Tom Brady being better than Garoppolo? Maybe for one more year, but after that, even like,
0: I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me that you're just capping your ceiling, you know. Yeah, especially with the NFC, because the NFC is right now the superior conference over the AFC, so it'd be stepping in much steeper competition. I mean, you've got the Seahawks, who made the playoffs, and they're going to obviously upgrade up am figure in the pre-agency and draft, and Rams had a down year, but I mean, still got talent on that mm-hmm. roster. Cardinals are an ascending team. They're not probably going to make the playoffs next year, but they, could. they might knock on the door. They could. It all depends on what they do, like everybody in free agency, but There's a lot tough. of good teams out there. Yeah, the West. I mean, and NFL Cowboys General, and Eagles should Cowboys be rejuvenated. Eagles, I mean, got the Saints still hanging in the there. The Panthers might have Panthers, a little. I mean, the, the Bears uh, could. Bears, I mean, there's, there's like a bunch of teams, eight that, or nine teams that could do. I don't even think something. we said the Vikings. Vikings, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because they got yeah, they they should be good next year. So there's plenty of teams to focus on as far as the free agency and as well as Tom Brady. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what happens, but. Don't worry, we got some more NFL talk coming up. As this is the end of the first quarter here on the end zone, <coughs> and welcome back. You've reached the second quarter here on the end zone. We go ninety one point one FM. We'll finish up some NFL talk, but this time we're going to center it around the NFL draft, which is coming up in about two months, around April, I believe. And this year it is in Las Vegas. And real quick, what do you think about the concept as far as like bringing the players? Because I know they're doing it in like the Bellagio yeah. fountain area.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, all I'll say is, what if a player can't swim? I'd be yeah, scared. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean it's cool. I just feel like it's gonna take longer, and nobody wants the draft to take any longer. I know that, so I just don't understand it really. But I mean, if it's if that's the spectacle, that's and that's what they're going for, because there is no story really. I mean, <laughs> so I mean we'll see, we'll see. I, I think it's cool, new place, new things. I mean, just try new thing. It's fun. Yeah, they're I mean, trying to be the NBA. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't. you can't beat the NBA, I feel like, as far as whatever they do. They just feel like that kind of progressive, yeah. top-of-the-food-chain type of league right now compared to the others, but we'll see how that works out in the draft. But as far as the players in the draft, I mean, you've got some talented players. I mean, number one, presumably, is going to be Joe Burrow, then number two, Chase Young. Then after that, it could be a mixed bag for any team. You've got, of course, the players such as Tua, who might go to the Dolphins, got our own Derek Brown, who's going to be a top 10 pick, yeah. got a bunch of players. So I'll let you kind of handle this draft question. How do you want to kind of phrase it as far as like?
1: Well, let's just look, because we can both agree on Joe Burrow going number one, yeah, right? Be the the one. Bengals
0: can't even mess that up. They, they can't, I
1: hope not. Um, and then number two, it obviously has to be Chase Young, unless you're Just really gutsy front office of the Redskins. Doesn't believe in Dwayne Haskins. Trades him in the number two pick for, you know, number four or something. And then takes Tua. But uh, Chase Young. So we'll just say that that hypothetical. And then after that, it gets interesting. So um, a lot of people are suspecting the Lions to to maybe trade out of that three spot. uh, Because somebody like um, the Dolphins or somebody behind the Dolphins might want to trade up to try to get Tua. Um, But we'll just, I'll just ask you this. If you're the Dolphins sitting at
0: five, mm, you obviously take Tua, right? I would say so. I mean, you need a quarterback. Fitzpatrick, we all know what he can do is give you a sample size of good production, but then he kind of goes downward from that. So he could give you about five or six games of solid play. Then it's a mixed bag of what you're going to get each week. But I think that Dolphins, that's the missing piece for them is a quarterback because you have a solid receiver in Devontae Parker who had a breakout year. You're going to need a running back probably because I cannot think of a running back off the top of my head that the Dolphins have. But Oh, yeah. Philip Laird is one of them. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, so, They need a new one. They need offense. I'll just say that. that's the best <laughs> way to put it. But they had a great um, end of their year. I mean, they won a few games and looked much more competitive than they did before. So I think they're one of those teams that are on the rise. So I think that you have to go with a quarterback here. And I'm even seeing on this NFL.com mock draft that they, instead of Tua, they have Justin Herbert as the pick for the Dolphins, and Tua goes number six to the Chargers. So Ooh. I don't know about that one. I'd probably flip it where Tua goes to the Dolphins and Herbert goes to the Chargers. But that's just an interesting, I feel like, scenario right there that NFL.com laid out.
1: Yeah, there's so many storylines at play with that because like we got to see free agency first. Because like if... Tom Brady goes to the Chargers, and they're probably just going to take an offensive lineman there because he's got to be protected. But also, I was sitting here thinking about the Dolphins when you brought them up. I, I, what about this? Think about this scenario. What if the Dolphins traded back? Because Tua has his injury questions and his size, and he's not mobile at all in the NFL. He's not quick enough, and at this point, you're worried about him running ever. He's more like Drew Brees, in my opinion, like a left-handed Drew Brees. That would be what he kind of grades out to as his ceiling. Which is really high. I think he has loads of potential. Mm. But if you're the Dolphins, do you take a playbook out of like the Browns' uh, GM and upper management and build from the inside out? Trade that pick, Mm. run Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, keep that energy in your in locker room for another year. Uh, This is a wide receiver loaded draft. You could grab another weapon, and then maybe you don't play as well with an even more aging Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you have an easier path at number one next year to get Trevor Lawrence. Hmm. And that seems like a safer bet than, than Tua. And you already have Josh Rosen, too. It just seems like, I mean, a classic story of just, like, overdrafting. And uh, if you reach on Tua and he doesn't get healthy, uh, I just think it could really blow up in their face.
0: So hmm. That is interesting. I didn't even think about it like that. But I could see that happening, the Dolphins. But I just see a lot of teams – Next year, tanking for Trevor because they know what he's going to do. True, there'll be a lot of competition in that market. Yeah, so I just don't, I could see that happening, but the Dolphins, I don't know. Like, they just were doing so great because I think they went 5 and 11 last year. Yeah, they got some wins at they the end. Got some wins. I don't know if they're going to do that strategy. I think they might still risk it for Tua, just make sure he's healthy. Of course, they'll do their proper, like, medical checks and whatnot on him to make sure that he's yeah. 100% before they take him. And I'm sure they'll do something, but worst case, I figure they'll just kind of let him have a normal rookie year where you just, he'll make mistakes, obviously, he'll do this, as long as you stay healthy, you'll be okay, but I don't know, I just don't see that scenario happening. Yeah,
1: and like, even if they draft him with Ryan Fitzpatrick sitting there, you don't necessarily have to start him right away, and I don't think, as long as he's not a top three pick, I don't think he's really going to get his feelings hurt about that. Nobody in the organization would be rushing it, I think. And playing in Miami seems ideal for Tua. I'd like to see it there. It's pretty cool. But uh, I'll ask you this. Of these teams in the top 10 at the bottom, you got Cleveland at 10, then Jacksonville, the Cardinals, Panthers, Chargers, Dolphins, Giants, Lions, Redskins, Bengals. Which team is the closest to being back to competitor status, and what pick like, could help them do that, do you think?
0: I'd probably go with the easy answer and say the Browns because we all know on paper they have a top five talented NFL roster, but it was just the coaching and execution that really derailed their season along with some drama and chatter from players that really messed up their season and they didn't do as great. So I think that the Browns just need something to kind of spark them as far. And I think this draft could help. I mean, I see at number 10 they're projected to choose – Javon Kinlaw a defensive tackle from South Carolina so and dude, they will need some defensive help as well and I know in the ESPN mock draft they chose an offensive lineman for yeah. the Browns from Houston to replace Greg Robinson out so there w- left tackle I like, yeah I like that pick better for the Browns instead of defense but they just need something I feel like because they have a new coach now Kevin Stefanski coming over from Minnesota I think that's going to be a huge difference for them having a guy who's Been an offensive coordinator for a long time compared to Freddie Kitchens, who was only an offensive coordinator half the season. And he also got a new GM, so got some new voices in the room. I think that'll help. So I think the Browns are the closest team. Yeah, I mean,
1: that is, like you said, kind of the safe pick. I'll just say there's there's a lot of teams down here that I think could turn it around rather quickly, Uh, depending on what the Chargers do at quarterback. I think that they... They get some offensive line help, and they get healthy. They're right back into kind of contending. I even think Tyrod Taylor could keep them hovering around in that division. The Panthers, obviously, depending on yeah. Cam's health. Um, they might lose Greg Olson. Obviously, Keekley's probably a huge loss. So I think they're still maybe a couple seasons away, unless Cam is just back to being an yeah. uh, MVP type player, which, sad to say, those days might be far gone. Um, but I like the Giants. I still think they might be a couple years, but you yeah. you, you draft Isaiah Simmons out of um, Clemson, maybe just start being that new head dog on your defense. You got Jabril Peppers back there. Uh, you get another offensive lineman. They have pretty good weapons. I mean, the, the weapons core could be yep. second to none next year if they're all healthy. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is out of those teams is I like the Cardinals because um, if, if Kyler Murray takes a, a step up instead of a step down mm-hmm. and avoids a sophomore slump, Christian Kirk, their weapons are young. They're getting better. They now have, depending on David Johnson, what, what he's going to do. But two pretty good backs if you count David Johnson, which I, I give them that respect. Um, so there's a lot of teams, even the Jags. You could say Nick Foles and two years ago. I mean, they were in the AFC <laughs> Championship. So a lot of these teams were pretty good a few years ago. That's my only point. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised um, to really see any of these teams jump up. So, um who do you think? Uh, so the Falcons. Let's talk about the Falcons. They're they're sitting at 16. Not a, not a bad draft position. Uh, we can't talk about my team's first round pick because they traded it for Mika oh, yeah. Fitzpatrick. Well worth it. Um, so what are you looking for uh, out of that 16 spot for the Falcons?
0: I'd say anything on defense would be of much need. The offense I think is pretty much set as far as of course the quarterback. Running back should be fine. At least for the first round you don't have to focus on a running back. And then Receivers should be good. Tight end, you might need one, but you could wait a little bit. Yeah. But it's just defense, I think. And I see for NFL.com, they have A.J. Espenza, the edge rusher from Iowa, for the Falcons draft. And I think that would be a good pick because he was a solid guy. He was a first-team Big Ten player last year. And I think that he'll bring that speed that the Falcons need. And he's also powerful and can overpower the offensive tackles that he's going to be facing. So I think that'd be a great pick for the Falcons. And if not him, I would choose somebody along the lines of possibly even a Grant Delpit if he's still mm. available because we've seen Keanu Neal. He's a great safety, don't get me wrong, but it's just been injury after injury the past two years for him. So he's showing signs that he can't be trusted as far as his health. So if you do a Grant Delpit, who we you know was a solid player for the LSU Tigers, I think that would be a great fit. And also if you want to go... Corner, you can't go wrong with a guy like a CJ Henderson from Florida, who is among the best corners mm-hmm. corners in the country. Pretty long, about six one, I think, two hundred pounds, so good size for a corner. So I think Falcons anything with defense is something that they really need to focus on in the first round.
1: Yeah, I like your I like your thinking right there. I think you're uh, properly addressing the needs round by round, and like you said, the offense seems pretty ready to go and it's been kind of that same core for a while you lose to having Coleman and uh, maybe a wide receiver here and there but you know it's obviously still uh, your MVP or your season MVP quarterback and then one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game Julio Um, but I mean it just strikes me man I think I saw something today where Todd McShay and his mock draft had like 20 wide receivers going (laughs) in the first three rounds wow uh, and it just really speaks to and there's good running backs and there's good offensive tackles it's a pretty offensive heavy draft and uh, I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see uh, I, I, I like Grant Delpit going to the Falcons because this mock draft I'm looking at has him going at 23 to the Patriots and mm. I just really hate both of those <laughs> players slash teams sorry I don't hate anyone but I would prefer not to see that marriage because yeah. uh, I could definitely see him being the next <laughs> elite safety in, in that scheme but um, We got a, about a minute here before the break. You got a way too early Super Bowl prediction for next year? Ooh, let's see. And tell me who wins, of course.
0: This one, honestly, like we've talked about before, this, mm-hmm. I'd say 10 teams that could easily <laughs> yeah. make the Super Bowl and win it. So if I would go through all the teams, let's see, from the NFC, ooh, let's see. I'll go out on a limb and say the Packers. I don't know. I just feel let's like go. they're going to go – and make a final run for Aaron Rodgers cuz he's in the twilight of his career. I think the defense is going to be much better. The offense is going to get better. So, and I think LaFleur is going to be much of a better coach considering that this was his rookie year. So, give me the Packers and the NFC and the AFC. I think the Ravens, I think they yeah. Lamar's going to win his first playoff game and then make a deep run into the playoffs. He's going to become a much better passer cuz that's still the one thing holding him back. He did great this year, but I think there's still some little tweaks he could work on as far as his passing accuracy and Learned to slide, I'd say as well. Running the ball, so I think he'll work on that and become more of a strong, stronger player. So give me the Ravens versus the Packers.
1: Who wins? Ooh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> putting me on the spot again. Just, um, just pick one. I'll go with the Packers. I think they're gonna try to win one for Aaron. I think.
1: All right. Yeah. All right. I, I like the, I like your thinking again because I was on the same lines. I'm going with the Saints because if this is if this isn't the year, man, <laughs> Drew just. He's going he's gonna to hang it up. If they lose in the playoffs on the last play for a fourth year in a row, <laughs> I'm sure his little heart can't take it. And he's like, I got one. I got to get out of here. So I'm hoping Drew gets it so maybe he can get some respect. So I'll put them uh, coming out of the NFC. And then out of the AFC being the overly confident, ignorant sometimes uh, super fan that I like to think I am. <laughs> I'm going to say the Steelers are going to make the Super Bowl uh, just because it's way too early to matter anyways. Yep. So Big Ben comes back defense is elite. Juju bounces back. Deontay Johnson steps mm-hmm. up. Uh, I don't think it's that far-fetched. I think Vegas puts them as like the eighth favorite. Okay. So it's, you know, reasonable. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's it for me.
0: Well, you've heard it, everybody. This That was our early 2021 Super Bowl pick. But, with that being said, we've got to end the second quarter here on the end zone. We'll be right back.
1: Alright, welcome back to the third quarter of the end zone with Color and Cruz. We just wrapped up Some of our NFL talk from the first half of the show And we're going to switch it up now a little bit And jump over to the NBA Which is right in the heat of its season Uh, No pun intended as the Heat and Jimmy Butler demolished the 76ers last night Uh, I'll just preface our talk this segment with that Uh, Let's go, let me get focused So let's just... I'll ask you this: The trade deadline's in a couple days. The All Star Games in what? Two weeks, mm-hmm. something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, we're pretty. We're past the halfway point in games. Um, so, what's your biggest takeaway from the first half? Who do you think are in the driving seat to come out of East or out of the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference?
0: I think the East is pretty clear. It's Milwaukee, and then literally everybody else. They already have a six and a half game lead on Toronto. So I think Milwaukee's looked dominant. Giannis is looking like his regular self. They've still got a plethora of shooters to choose from. Defense is still among the best in the league. So Milwaukee, I think, is for sure that team to beat in the East. And in the West, much more interesting. Got the Lakers, of course, holding on the one spot right now. But then you've got the Clippers at the two spot. And we all know that those are the top two teams that everybody figured will be battling for each other in the West. And that might be a potential Western Conference Finals preview. So I think that the Lakers and Clippers are those two teams, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's a dark horse that comes out and challenges them, like a Denver who has a bunch of young talent nobody talks about. They have a bunch of wings. I know Michael Porter Jr., finally healthy. He's making a huge difference for good. the Nuggets, looking great, yep. Jazz, I mean, they're underrated. Rockets, you never know what you're going to get from them, so I don't really trust them that much. Then Mavericks, it all depends on Luka and Porzingis if they could kind of work together and if Porzingis can stay healthy that's
1: wouldn't that be something that would be amazing see yeah. that and their first year to go and like run through this west
0: exactly so and then going I guess seven to eight seed in thunder there have been a nice story this year but I don't see much from them mm-hmm. in Memphis I mean I don't I like their story John Morant's been great but they, I don't see much from them so I think east Milwaukee and then west it's either a tie between Clippers and Lakers
1: yeah, it's really it's really been a really good uh first half of the season. You have Milwaukee who's on pace for a seventy win season at this point, and they're leading the league in points per game by uh a whole five points and they're up there in defense as well. Um, so, um but like you said, the West is really where the competition is at. Uh the Lakers seem to be top dog, but They haven't been too convincing against the other elite teams in the league, so I am worried about them a little bit. Um, If I had to put my confidence in somebody today, I'd still do the Clippers because I just think they're too deep. Uh, They have size. They have playmaking. They have shooting. I think their players complement their stars more than the players on the Lakers and even maybe the Nuggets. Uh, The Jazz, I don't think anybody outside of Utah thinks the Jazz can win a championship, and it's been that way for 20 years. Uh, and it's probably not gonna change because <laughs> Mike Conley really hasn't been that impressive. Everybody thought it'd be a perfect marriage, hasn't been great. But Jordan mm-hmm. Clarkson was a good trade. I mean, yeah. like you said, they have pieces and I'd love to see Luca and them uh go through it because the Rockets have dropped below them uh all the way down to the seven seed which, or six seed, which is pretty low by rocket oh, standards and that, that can lead us into the s- segue, uh us into the next topic uh the nba tread deadline which is coming in two days the rockets are probably going to be major players because as i said they have slipped to sixth in the west uh it's really tight though after that they're still only three games behind the clippers for a second so it's not totally time to hit the panic button if you're a rockets fan but the big name that's swirling around in the rumors is clint capella the rockets just don't believe in big men anymore think that everybody needs to dribble the ball and shoot threes mm. right yeah. Uh so I think the Celtics have been mentioned the, uh, the your Hawks have been mentioned uh a couple of their main targets Andre Iguodala who seems to be unhappy at Memphis and maybe even Robert Robert Covington from the Timberwolves. So what do you think about this whole trade scenario for the Rockets? Is there anything that can save them because in my opinion, which I don't really, really even give it. That's why I'm asking you. There's nothing that can be done with those two guys being your two stars. So Tell me what you think about the Rockets' scenario
0: right now. I just don't really see a, I guess, plausible scenario for them right now. It's just, I mean, I get why they want to kind of move Capella because he is kind of the guy who slows them down because, like you said, they're kind of the run-and-gun, shoot-threes type of team, and Capello is the traditional big-man center who can't stretch the floor. He's great on rebounding and catching lobs and, Finishing in the paint at times, but that's all he could pretty much do. And he's an absolute liability at the free throw line. So that will hurt them for sure in the playoffs. So I don't see really anything that they could do. I mean, I do think that he will get moved because he does have a great contract. I think he's only making like $15 million or something like that. Yeah, it's that. not bad. I mean, so yeah, and it's like for four more years. So he's good as far as that. But I think they're going to try to move him. But I don't know if a wing's going to come there. I could see Covington possibly come in there. I don't see a Guadalajara going there. But that's the only thing I could think of for the Rockets. But I think it's going to hurt them in the playoffs if they face bigger teams, such as the Lakers, who have, of course, JaVale McGee, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard. So that's going to hurt them if they do go small ball lineups because sometimes you live by the three and die by the three. And that's worked for the Rockets, sometimes living by the three. And as evident from the playoff series a few years ago, where they went 0 for 27 at one point, you could also die by the three.
1: Yep. Yep. I think when it really comes down to it, that style of basketball is just not going to be enough. Especially with the guys that they have. Uh, so I'll ask you this where do you want to see Capella land? I mean, the Hawks are kind of the front runners for this, and the Celtics are behind, but would it really make even that big of an impact <laughs> for either team? You know,
0: it would be more of an impact for the Celtics, I feel like, because the only big man that I feel like they trust is Enos Cantor, and they have all Dale un- Tice, they trust that man, you know. He's solid. He's but, all I mean, right. Enos gives you like that offense, though, and I feel like mm-hmm. Tice could do that sometimes, but i will probably say it'd be better for the Celtics than the Hawks because I don't know. I just feel like for the Hawks, they would have to give up like John Collins, for instance. And yeah. I don't really want the Hawks I don't to love do that. That, cause that. Collins, I think, still has another gear that he could reach as far as a NBA star. And I just don't think that the Hawks are willing to trade him or any of those young pieces. And they also want to keep that first round pick. Yeah. It's going to be a lottery pick. So I think it'd be better for the Celtics because they're obviously in a win now mode. Capella could give him that inside presence. He's great at blocking shots, great at getting rebounds, could put up points, catch some lobs from Kemba, so I think that would be a better scenario for him to go to the Celtics.
1: Yeah, I think so too, and the Hawks, I do, I will say this with the Hawks, they got to choose some of these, they have too many young players in my opinion, and and you're going to have to choose who, obviously Trey Young, but who you want to center your franchise around, and if, like you said, Capella's deal is not bad, if, if John Collins is going to take that next leap, they might not be able to afford him. So if you could kind of maybe offload him now and still get somebody with guaranteed years on your contract, maybe have some more cap space for the 2021 free agency, Um, I could see them maybe pulling the trigger. And I don't really know for the Celtics, because if you you have to give up anything more than, like, one key role player already, I don't think it's really worth it because Capella doesn't add too much to, like, an offensive side, I guess, maybe if they're lacking on D. But... Some other trade rumors we can talk about. Uh, the T-Wolves are interested in landing D'Angelo Russell, mm-hmm. the name floating around, kind of a big deal. Uh, they would have to trade probably Andrew Wiggins to the Golden State Warriors, which you know is more of a positional fit than mm-hmm. D'Angelo Russell. But also, Robert Covington could get moved there because he's got mm-hmm. a decent-sized contract. He a couple pieces with that. Um, but do you really even see that going anywhere? I mean, I could...
0: Kind of see it because the Timberwolves. I mean, who's their point guard right now? It's
1: like Jeff Teague
0: still. Or No, or they, they actually no, the he's Trish. back on the, yeah, Hawks. the Hawks. Yeah, so. Oh, man. I don't even know I, yeah. who their point guard is. Exactly. So, so I yeah. guess it would work out for them. And I know him and Carl uh, Anthony Towns are friends. So that probably the probably be one, yeah. one of the reasons they're why they're like they do Academy it. brothers,
1: aren't they? They play. Yeah, it. they play the
0: same Academy or whatnot. But I mean, for Timberwolves, it won't really help them much because they've been really bad this year. 12 they L's, were, L's in a row. Yep. They're looking really bad. Um, you would have thought they'd be a little bit better, but it's not working out. So I could see this trade happening, but I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, me neither. Um, what do you think? Uh, Iguodala said he's prepared to sit out the whole season with Memphis. I've seen him. He's just doing ESPN shows you know, on Tuesdays, not even with the team. Um, he's prepared to sit out the whole season, but they'll probably buy him out. That's what most people think. Uh, where would you like to see him go? Uh, the Heat are interested now. That's a new news today. But the Lakers, uh, the Clippers have even said they're interested. Uh, are there any other? I'm sure I'm missing some teams. So, what do you think? The Rockets, obviously. What do you think the best fit for Iggy is, and like, how big of a role can he really play uh, to improve a contender?
0: I'd probably say, ooh, I'd probably say he needs to be on the Lakers because the Lakers need as much help as possible. Of course, he brings that championship pedigree along of LeBron. Um, we all know how great a defender he is. He could knock down three occasionally, maybe not as athletic as he once was, but he could still give you, I guess, brief moments. And, he's got bounce. Yeah, he's still got some bounce, yeah. but it's. I think the Lakers would need more help than the Clippers were at this point. So I think the Clippers probably need one more big man, then they'll be set as far as their roster. But the Lakers, I think they still need somebody to kind of play alongside LeBron as far as like when LeBron goes out the game, you're going to need another offensive kind of guy and also another defensive guy and Avery Bradley's been a solid guy but he's kind of past his prime so yeah
1: yeah I, I really kind of don't know about that though because you know LeBron turns people into spot-up shooters and he he's really not a good shooter I mean he he's clutch and he's a great player and he's a finals MVP and he can dunk on anybody still mm-hmm. um But I just don't know if that's the perfect fit. I mean, I I think the Rockets could use him for real, but also, like, just don't know why he would want to go there. I mean, he he lives in L.A. He wants to go back over there. So uh, somewhere out there in the West, maybe the Clippers. But Clippers, man, I think they're set. Like, I mean, yeah, like you said, they might could use a little more big defense. But other than that, uh, I think they're pretty good. So, um, I mean, we're about to go to break, I guess. But the Suns and the Pistons might – um, do a deal for yeah. Uh The only reason I mentioned that is because it might be good for our boy Jared Harper. Oh, yeah. Shout out AU because yeah. they, they're probably going to trade one of their point guards uh, out for that. And, man, I'm telling you, I think Jared Harper could thrive in this system. Yeah. Treat D. Book like Bryce Brown. <laughs> and you got a big man and DeAndre Ayton. He, you know, the Suns. he played last night in his first game for him. Rubio had like 24 minutes, only like three points. Yep. <laughs> Javon Carter had 24 minutes. He was one for four. Jared Harper scores many points in him in four minutes. So I'm just saying, if they make one of those deals like that, he might could get some shine. And then don't be surprised to see Marcus Morris maybe get shipped from the Knicks because he, he definitely could help a contender probably more than even Iggy could or something. So
0: I could see that happening. Um, I mean, any of those scenarios yeah. would be cool with me. But.
1: I also heard that um, Kevin Love, who was looking – the Clippers were looking into Kevin Love today. Um, maybe po- po- package Montrezl Harrell and um, mm. just like – one little role player that might not be a bad deal. So, just a lot of teams talking about a lot of movement. So, we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens. But with that being said, this has been the third quarter of the end zone. And welcome back. You've reached the fourth quarter here on the end zone. And for the fourth quarter, we've saved the best for last, as in we've localized it. And that means Auburn basketball. Auburn is now number 11 in the AP poll, moved up from 17 after going on a four game winning streak. And they face another stiff SEC test tonight as they face off against the Arkansas Razorbacks in Little Rock, 6 p.m. Central Time on the SEC Network. Arkansas is currently favored by 1.5 points in this one. So some ESPN, I guess, people feel like Arkansas has the chance to really knock off Auburn. And I'd say they have a good chance because Arkansas is 16-5 right now, playing good basketball. I mean, they got a new coach. I believe Musselman is his name, the guy from Nevada. so. They're doing great as far as that, and we all know how Auburn is sometimes notorious for starting off really slow in games and having to claw their way back, and sometimes it works out. And in two instances, this season it has not worked out, but how do you see the outcome of this game tonight? Well, you said the thing about the one-and-a-half point favorite
1: for Arkansas and how it's kind of reasonable. I don't really. I mean, I guess it's kind of reasonable, but I feel like Auburn's being a little disrespected here. Uh, I think moving, being moved up to 11 this week in the A.B. poll, I think that's perfect. Like I was looking at the teams ahead of Auburn. I mean, maybe Villanova is the only one that I think like Auburn deserves to be ahead of, and truly even is better than because there's some. I mean, there's some good teams, and Auburn obviously has their struggles. But this game tonight, I mean, I'm about to. Re- I'll read you off some statistical categories. Uh, points per game, Auburn 22nd, Arkansas is 96th. Um, assists per game, both teams are atrocious. Auburn's 164, Arkansas's 252. Uh, the only category where Auburn really gets beat by Arkansas significantly is steals per game, which Arkansas mm-hmm. does really well on, with steals and guarding the perimeter. They're a really good three-point defensive shooting team. But rebounds per game, Auburn is 12th, and Arkansas is 292nd. Sheesh. <laughs> Blocks per game, Auburn also happens to be 17 to their sixty-eight. So a couple major major categories. Auburn just blows Arkansas out of the water. And as long as Arkansas doesn't have a freakish night where their home crowd is in it and they're hitting threes, which I don't think is going to happen because Auburn plays pretty dang good defense. Uh, I see Auburn maybe even putting a little statement stamp on this one and winning by a decent margin. But I'll ask you this. How do we do it? Because – Kind of been an inconsistent ebb and flow for Auburn. They're getting it from different guys each game. A couple games ago, is was Anthony Macklemore going off. Uh, Samir Doughty really came through against Kentucky this weekend. Uh, Austin Wiley's kind of been the calming presence, but even his play's kind of erratic. We don't know. He's not a constant double-double mm-hmm. or anything like that. We know Purifoy's a streaky shooter. So what are the st- what do the Tigers got to do against this apparently favorite Arkansas Razorbacks tonight?
0: I would just kind of say... What you said basically just be consistent because we all know the guard play isn't the best for Auburn right now. We kind of got spoiled the last few years by Jared Harper and Bryce Brown because we all knew what they were going to bring us each night. But I think Samir, we all know what he could do. He's when he's on, he's on. But mm-hmm. when he's off, it is really really bad, <laughs> in my opinion. But and then same for Javon McCormick. When he's on, he could he can make shots. I mean, mid range game is yeah. decent. He doesn't really shoot threes, but yeah, decent. He's of course, more of an assist guy, so if he could get it going as far as that. And then Austin Wiley, traditional big man. I mean, if he could be physical like he was against Kentucky, that would be a great thing because he absolutely dominated Kentucky and dominated Nick Richards, so that played a huge role in Auburn's win. So I think just more consistency from anybody than if he could get a sixth man like Anthony Mackmore coming off the bench, knocking down threes, blocking shots, doing what he usually does, and Purifoy knocking down shots, playing decent defense. Auburn has a great shot So because we all know this team – at their peak, can be a top five, I believe, team in the country. if Everybody's clicking on all cylinders. But then we've also seen the ugly side is when Auburn shoots low percentages and shots and gets down by 20. And it was ugly, like I said, against Alabama and Florida where they couldn't do anything. So I think this is going to be a great test for Auburn. But I'm kind of leaning more toward the side, like you said, where I think they're going to try to put a statement win because they know that, their SEC road record isn't the most glamorous right now, but they could really put a hurting on Arkansas. I think that will change a lot of people's minds.
1: Yeah, I really do think Auburn is going to play well tonight, and I like what you said. I think the guard play is huge. I think I think every Auburn fan sees it with this team. Like you said, we've been spoiled. So, like, nobody's really going to play as consistently good as Jared and Bryce. We knew when those two mm-hmm. played on that we were unbeatable, and we had Jumo Okiki. Oh, yeah. Like, Who could once by the end of the season knew that he was the best player on the court, you know? So, like, we just still have to be patient. I remember the middle of last year when we lost LSU, like, there were people ready to bail out on us that year. uh, Last year, and like, we went to the Final Four. So, we see everybody, like, if Wiley just gets a little more consistent on the offensive end, if Purefoy gets a little more consistent with his threes and keeps trying hard on defense, I, I really have been impressed with him. Everybody hates on his defense, but I think. He's played really well and really stepped it up this year. Macklemore uh, really wasn't shooting good at the beginning of the year. Now he's t- kind of getting going lately in these last few games. So that leads me to, obviously, I think Okoro's great, needs to be more aggressive. I want his progression to end up like Chuma's. You know? he, by the end of the year, he needs to know he could be the best player on the court at all times. So it leaves the guards. and um, Because we have so much experience there, I think the floor of this team is pretty high Uh, because even when they don't play well, we have other guys who are experienced and can calm us down and uh, make big plays for us. But I'll just read you this two stats. Mm -hmm. Javon McCormick is shooting 38.9% field goal for the year. Not great. He's also shooting only 28.4% from three. Not great. And he's shooting 55% from the free throw line. That's just got to be more from your starting uh, uh, point guard. He doesn't turn the ball over too much, even though lately he's been bad with it. So I, we just need a little more consistency from him, and he's got to make more shots, got to make more plays. I mean, 4.6 assists is not anything to write home about. I mean, just our, our playmaking has to be better. And like I said, I think most fans know Okoro can make more plays. Maybe he doesn't know it quite yet. Maybe – I mean, he knows his role. He plays well. He obviously can't be relied on to just like ISO and, you know, Jared Harper type style things. But for the driving kicks and stuff like that, I think that's key. Um, So tonight I think it will be a hard game because they play good defense. We play bad on the road. Probably score 10 points in the first 10 minutes. (laughs) I expect Auburn to maybe have to scrape themselves out of a hole. But I think by the end, good defense and – Maybe a little more elevated play from your senior playmakers, uh, then it'll be a pretty easy win. And now, if once we hit twenty and two, I feel like, and after bouncing back, what now? Four games since the bad week, four straight good wins. I think they'll start getting a little more respect, and really, people can say we have a good body of work, and Auburn's a good team.
0: Yeah. Before we go or close out the show, let's just do a quick score prediction. What do you think the score is going to be for this game?
1: Ooh, I gotta hold on, hold on. I gotta check. What Arkansas averages are, I mean, I'll say Auburn, you know, in their road losses, I think Florida, they didn't even get 50. And Vama. No. I don't think they hit 70, did they? It was um, 68 or
0: 69, I think, as far as what they got.
1: So 64. So I'm not expecting too much higher than that. So I'll mm-hmm. say 70 to – or 72, 72 to sixty-three. Just a nine point win. Um, you know, Arkansas will be hanging around a little bit, but Auburn really kinda comfortably wins it by a few possessions at the end.
0: Uh for me I think it's gonna be more close. I could see Auburn winning like seventy five to seventy one, somewhere along those lines it'll be close to the end. Auburn makes some much needed free throws, which we know they've been struggling with this year, but I think they will step up and win their twentieth game of the season. But with that being said, this has been the end of the end zone here on Weagle 91.1. Glad you guys listened. Show of the semester. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it is at endzoneweagle, at endzonewegl. On behalf of Will Cruz. Shout out to Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler having a great game against the 76ers, putting it on them. And on behalf of Will Cruz, I'm Javon Cutler. Have a great rest of your week.